love genius fans. Putting up with Aaron Michael Marsh. How long ago did you start? At Disney? Uh, at, at jokes. Oh, uh, so interesting story. So Disney, uh, I was working at Jungle Cruise. I started there in 2004. Uh, and my friend David Marley uh, got this idea to put together the Skipper Show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jungle Cruise Skippers doing stand-up. And he invited me to do the show. He said, I think you'd be really good at it. I'd never even thought about doing comedy before. I just liked working Jungle. And it was fun. And uh, I worked hard at it because I liked the idea of the whole thing, you know. So mm-hmm. so then he invited me to do it. So I had to write eight minutes. Eight minutes, the, the, the structure is at Skipper Show or Skipper Stand Up was, was the time. Uh, uh, you get eight minutes. And that's how long it takes to take a trip around the jungle. Yeah. So, yeah, it was pretty neat. So uh, I wrote eight minutes. Never written a joke before in my life. Uh, well, I did. I had written a few for Jungle because I was. I'll, I'll go back to that in a second. But anyway, so I did the eight minutes at the Skipper Show, and it went really well. So I kind of I got hooked on it. It's just you know when you get up on that stage and you're by mm-hmm. yourself, it's terrifying. It's weird because you know Jungle, you get in the boat and it's not you, you don't notice. You know you got to you know you're doing thirty sets a day at Jungle, and it doesn't. It's not the same. It's when you get on stage in front of an audience it's it's weird it's weird how it's different uh in that regard on the what's weird to me about that is i've been doing open mics and bar shows for so long that i almost don't know what to do when the audience is being polite and attentive (laughs) (laughs) like i need a little bit of pushback and for jungle they sit down they all face you yeah and they're they're polite and attentive and i'm like i don't know what i would do with these people that are being so nice they are polite uh, but attentive, that's a different thing because uh, I found it took a while for me to figure out why, you know, the reactions weren't coming like I thought they should. Mm-hmm. And, but there's a lot of barriers, you know, there's like language barriers, uh, you know, there's, uh, you know, kids, you know, there's a lot of distractions. So when I figured out the ratio, if I'm getting like 10 or 15%, that's a good boat a lot of times just because of hmm. the distractions. So then I settled down and then I was able to, to relax and do and uh, give a better show, essentially. But um, so anyway, that was 2005 when we did the first Skipper show. And so I just did those for about five or six years because it was a safe audience. Mm-hmm. Pretty terrifying to go out on your own, you know. And then I, um, I auditioned for um, Ice House. Dave, what was it? Dave? Um, Dave McNary. Yes, thank you. Rest in peace. Yeah, yes, indeed, man. What a great guy. And so I did yeah. at the Ice House for one of Dave's shows. And you know, it was a room full of 60 comics waiting for their turn, which is terrifying. You know, it's like a, I heard somebody say it's like sitting in a you're bleeding and you're sitting in the savannah and a herd of jackals are surrounding you. That's kind of what it feels like. <laughs> What's funny is that when you guys did your audition, because I remember my audition very well. Did you guys have a microphone? Uh, yes, we were in the main room. That was a lot of yeah. Comics. Ours was in the main room too, yeah. but it felt like Dave. It was my first time ever meeting Dave. It felt like the ice house was unaware it was happening, and Dave just came in and turned on the like the house lights with the yeah. like against the wall, and was like, "All right, guys, we'll just go one by one." No microphone, and it felt like everybody had a bad one man show. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. I can see that happening. Uh, Dave's mm-hmm. pretty, he's pretty relaxed about his, you know, he'd been in it for so long. It was just, one oh, yeah. For him, so, yeah, it was a good time. So, uh, I took a couple of days. I got the email and I got a little packet in the mail with all the tickets and stuff and I'll off and running. So then that's when I got, you know, uh, I got going on my own. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, and then I met you a couple years later. You met me right before I started doing stand-up. Yeah, with Maggie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Maggie. I was dating her at the time. I think we were. I was standing out in front of Big Thunder Mountain when you guys came up. I for some reason I that just is pinned in my mind when we first met. Yeah, you were splitting the two different uh, attractions. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. that's all i've done since i've just done the two i tried a couple of the other ones i didn't really care for them so big thunder and jungle cruise were my my two staples Wait, what were the two ones you didn't you didn't uh, click I with tried steam trains um mm-hmm. it's too slow it's just weird the the guests are surprisingly a little chippy there hmm. so uh and that's not fun to me and um then i tried uh the vehicles on main street and mm-hmm. that's way slower. I mean, it's like, oh. <laughs> and the guests are a little strange there. They're uh, a little more uh, Disney file, kind of like. Not all of them, but there's, you know, there's just certain groups they really like uh, the whole aspect of Disneyland, which I'm not. I'm, I mean, I like the people I work with. The Disney part yeah. of it is not that interesting to me. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because clearly so, you've watched me become a Disney adult. What's that? You've watched him become a Disney adult over the years, you know, like, cause I want to say when I met you with Maggie, it was like my first time at the park in like 10, 15 years. Oh. And now I'm going 10, 15 times a year oh, for nice. the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, are the Disney adults obnoxious to you? Uh, no, not all. They're just, uh, it's just, you know, cause they, they love it. So I don't, yeah. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't mind it. It's just, uh, I'll tell you a story though. I was, I was on the steam train. One of my only shifts, I was working steam trains as a conductor and there was two uh, annual pass holders sitting in the car close to me and I could hear them talking. They did not know each other. So one was a little more um, uh, knowledgeable. I want to put that in hand quotes about the park. So she was talking about the Lily bell, the car that's on the one, the one of the trains there Mm -hmm. that uh, Walt bought for his wife. And she's relaying this information that she knew about the lily bell. So she said, hey, back there, she points back there, that's the lily bell. She said, it's named after Walt's wife, Bell. Close. So anyway, so that's kind of like, <laughs> that was hysterical. Yeah, that's funny. So anyway, I, I, you know, at first, you know, when you when you're new, like as a cast member, you know, you uh, to me anyway, a little insecure about the knowledge of the park. And, uh, so, but I, I learned to, I learned to, uh, like one time I, I called a little princess, you know, the little different color dresses, the blue mm-hmm. and pink, yellow. And I didn't really know which one was which. And I called this little girl, the wrong princess. And the mother got super upset at me that I called her the wrong one. So. Yeah. How dare you? You're in a Disney park. I know. You should like, know I'm, this. I should know. I should know, but I didn't care. So that was the problem. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so I learned at that point, I just call them a princess and not worry about who they are, you know, individually. What if they're not technically a princess? I don't know. You know, it's hard to know the cosplayers I, in the cosplayers. It gets more vague. You know, the, the yeah. adults 
they get really I, specific. I don't know. You know, I really don't know. So I just, you know, kids are great though. I like, I like kids. It's fun. Uh, I like to play, you know, have fun with them. And I do adult jokes with them a little bit, not, not offensive, just, you know, and they, of course. sometimes they get it. Sometimes they don't. It's fun. Cause I'm going to say, even when we talked, it's not like either one of us goes blue. No. Yeah. No, that's not my style. Anyway, just, I no, never. Mine neither. Yeah. That's why even like on stage, like I'll casually swear, but it doesn't really get nasty because it's not the way I talk to people and not the way I get comfortable. Yeah, totally. It's a conversation. You have a conversation with people and that's, you know, you converse how you, you know, it's coming from inside out. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Is there any part of the Disneyland sort of style? And I don't mean like style is like clothing, but like just the way those Disney adults act and behave that has adjusted your behavior inside the park. Mm. No, because, you know, no, okay. uh, at first I did. Cause you know, cause you don't want to cause any, you know, you don't want any guest complaints or whatever. And then I figured it out. Somehow I have a little bit of a, uh, a Teflon and a manager. I was, I was talking to a manager a couple months ago that I used to work with. Uh, we were walking in together and she said, Hey, Kip, she works over galaxy's edge now. Mm-hmm. And she, yeah. Some of the cast members were talking about you. And I just want to let you know, she said, they were saying that you could say anything to the guests and they don't care. And she said, and they, and she said, I told them it's a hundred percent true. Cause she said, I've seen it happen. So I, it's funny how it kind of evolved. And I, and I, you know, I can, that's one of the fun parts for me is being able to talk to the guests on a real thing. And, you know, I'm still joking and you all know, can joke with them but get my point across that I'm really serious in a way. It's really interesting. It's an interesting dynamic. Yeah, I can see that. Although like with my time there, I would say only once was I disappointed with a question that I had that didn't get an answer, but it was a real general question. Cause like, as far as like the trivia stuff, I know there's Disneyland trivia in every oh. direction. Yeah. And so I don't, why would the cast members, they don't get taught how to do a quiz. You know, that doesn't make sense. All oh, right. Yeah, they're just living in there for a couple of years while they work there. And like, so they learn some stuff, but it's only what people tell them throughout the time in there. Cause like I was doing like hidden Mickey, um, like hunting for a while. And some of them like really didn't know much of any of that. And some of them did. But also when I would find it, you'd see the ones that were like, oh, let me see that so they can learn it. Yeah. But on the other, the one that I was disappointed in was I was with a vegetarian friend and it seemed like no cast member knew where to get any vegetarian food and i was like well that's like an actual like guest relations thing that seems like a thing that somebody would would eventually know yeah uh i can i can assure you i couldn't tell you yeah no no i I don't know i don't come in the park that often as a guest so i don't and i'm not vegetarian so it's not important to me yeah exactly it wasn't to them either and so like oh but you know we found something it was just a matter of um i'm I'm sure now even more. I'm sure they're very accommodating for, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, yeah, very much. We had to go to a food thing and ask the food people. Problem oh. is we're talking to the attraction people about the food, and they're like, right. we're attraction people. They yeah. barely have attraction. So, <laughs> so I'll, I'll give you, hey, I'll give you an example. Uh, like at Big Thunder, I, uh, Julie Yang and I were the first two to be um, trained there after the accident in 2003. So 2000, late 2004, they had finally reopened. The accident is not Fabio? No. 
that may have been on purpose. You know, I don't know if that was an accident or not. So, no. Um, so, uh, so it's still, it's still fresh, you know, with, in people's minds. Mm -hmm. And so um, when we got the traction running, we'd send out front. If there was a downtime, uh, first of all, every downtime, somehow the news helicopters knew and they would hover above us. Like, I thought it was a no-fly zone up there. Well, they're way up there. I mean, you can hear them. Yeah. You look up, and there's, there was three of them always. And they would hover above us during the downtime. Just, I guess, they're like like the jackal thing, you know, mm -hmm. hoping maybe something else is going on. And so people come up, and they would, you know, oh, you're down. Yeah, we're down right now. Just check back later. And this one guy walked up, and he said, hey, what happened? Somebody die? Yeah. Yeah. So, wasn't uncommon so i i looked at the guy and i said no not today but i said we're making a list and you're first on the list oh good threatening them perfect so, you know, it wasn't a threat but just just you know, know. kind of get my point it was a ridiculous comment oh yeah yeah exactly especially it was pretty big news that somebody died like it's not like i mean i and i worked with many people that were there that day I was working at downtown Disney when it mm. happened, but it wasn't, I was kind of disconnected from it, but so I oh, yeah, the park is so big. If you're not within 50 feet of it, you could not know what's happening. Yeah. Oh, well, totally. Yeah. I, I'm sure there was a, a big group of folks that never knew it even happened. Uh, yeah. So my friend, Andy, he was first on scene after, after it happened and it watched the guy pass away. So, and he really messed him up. Poor guy. So anyway, but I had friends that were there when the comedy store shooting happened. Oh man, oh, I can't even imagine that. Yeah, and so like I had a friend that helped the guy as he as he passed away. Like, and then and it's the when a place has been around for so long. Oh yeah, it seems destined that there's going to be some incidences. Yeah, like, it I, seems impossible. I was hanging out there a month or so ago, and uh, this guy mentioned it. Oh, you know they had you know they had a shooting here like a couple of years ago, and I said. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was a couple of years ago. I think it was like several years ago. And then I had the re I said, hmm, I wonder how long it was. There. I can't remember. And it was like seven or eight years ago. So yeah, man, I can't, can't believe how, uh, how long ago it was. It seems now already. But yeah, I mean, what a great place. I love hanging out there. Talking to all the friends. Jesus Trejo is a buddy of mine. I get to see him often. So we hang out and just chat and just it's fun. So we're, we're a great place. Oh, yeah. He's he's one of the best. I love him. And he's like he's blowing up right now. Oh yeah, totally. His his uh, TikTok is just incredible. He's kind of showing me the ropes a little bit, so I'm I'm I've stuck my my uh, toe in the pool of TikTok, and I'm trying to uh, mess with it and see what I can find a little niche there. I was actually thinking about making some TikTok attempts. I've just thrown up random things like clips from the show, yeah, me playing guitar or whatever, and like just up there, just because I don't know where else to put those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. But I'm not doing the TikTok things on TikTok. So, you know, like I'm watching that become a thing. And you're like, oh, all right. I'm starting to understand and get and see some of this. Right. Right. So like I'm not I'm, just stand-up Right. I've tried. I'm trying different stuff, different, uh, you know, visual things and seeing what I think fits, you know, fits who I am as a, you know, as an entertainer. And, mm -hmm. uh, and see what happens. It's, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun to be a little more creative. Uh, and the app actually makes it pretty easy. I was surprised at how simple it is to do some of the effects and stuff that they have. Oh, I haven't even attempted. I should. Yeah, it's 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 a little. It just takes a little bit of just digging in and messing mm -hmm. with. 
my friend Reagan, she said, don't delete any videos you don't like. She said, just put them private. That way it doesn't hurt your algorithm. So I'm, I think that's a thing. I don't know, but we'll see. Huh. I didn't realize deleting videos hurts your algorithm. Yeah, that's what I, I thought. How could it hurt if it's not there? But they also come always are adjusting the algorithm. Oh, yeah. I'm it's sure become that- a game for people to catch up and do all the things with the algorithm. Yeah. Yeah, um, is there anything that you would say about stand-up that has creeped through into your regular life mm. for better or for worse? Uh, boy, that's a hard one. Cause I'm kind of my, I'm the same on stage as I am off stage. See, I um, wasn't for a long time. And that's become sort of the same. I feel like it's making off stage life socially easier, work-wise yeah. harder. Cause I'm less afraid to say things. Yeah, it doesn't come across as a thing for me to like. I would have to say in that regard, yes. Uh, When I was in high school and like school, I was so insecure and shy, uh, but I still had that comedy thing inside, you know. And I would, oh yeah, you know, uh, not not thinking I'd ever be a stand-up, but just I loved, you know, I grew up watching Carson. You know, I would I would get out of bed, I would sneak out of bed, and go into the den and watch turn the tv down real low who knows if my folks know you, you think you're being sneaky but you know they know everything they, they knew as a as a parent if you I hear know. the carson theme song faintly in the background and you knew that you turned the tv off they know, oh. know someone's watching but man what a great time to to be able to see all these comedians you know coming on stage and then carson himself was a genius so yeah far, just the the you know the, the take you know how he can make the look and mm-hmm. still get laugh without even saying a word Oh, yeah. I'm a huge Carson guy, and I'm really happy that some of the full episodes are now on YouTube. Oh, yeah, totally. There's a couple of stations like on uh, on Roku that have reruns that you can watch. And... But they're heavily edited. Oh, They'll I take a half hour out of it. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So so that was part of the other. Thing. I was like, no, I want to see the half hour that didn't get there because what he ever what him and his crew would do and also how local it felt. It didn't feel giantly produced like Jimmy Fallon's right. does now. Right, right. I know everyone I talks about like watching Carson bomb, but it's almost a race from the internet. And you're like, no, 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 no. There's just one clip up there of him bombing. And you're like, no, I he, need more of it. And he would embrace it. He didn't, it wasn't oh, yeah. a thing. I got to see him live one time. I went to one of the shows, one of the oh, wow, back in the 80s. And uh, man, what a, I, I don't know how people did things, but I'm trying to think about how how I found out how to get tickets because you had to go like at six in the morning to get tickets because they go so quick. So in you Burbank? go line, in Burbank, you go line up at NBC like at 6 a.m. It's an all day affair. So yeah. you go at 6 a.m., you get your tickets, then you have to come back at two and line up again. And then they start letting everybody in uh, after a couple hours. And then once you get in the studio, they just tape, you know, it's an hour. Mm-hmm. And they have the breaks, you know, you're just sitting there. Uh, the only guest I remember was Father Guido Sarducci. Oh, wow. Remember him? Yeah, Nobody? of course. Anyway, he was just a character. He had like a, he was like an Italian uh, priest, I guess. And he would smoke and it was really, it was kind of a, kind of a quirky uh, character, but that's, that was his gig. Uh, he had a tagline, but I can't remember what it was. But anyway, I, so that, that's the only guy I remember. And it goes so fast that you just, it's like a, it's, it just like in a split second, it's over and then you're done. So, you know, it's like six o'clock. So from six to six, you know, you're kind of involved in this whole thing. You just got to find something to do all day in Burbank, you know, 
uh, I had a friend visit from Michigan. So we went up there and figured it all out without the internet, by the way. I don't know how we figured it out, but mm. anyway, it was fun. And I saw the Letterman, story- I saw Letterman uh, a few years ago before he retired. Got to see him live. A friend of mine was a writer and he got me tickets with uh, me and Eric Escobar. Yeah. Did a little vagabond tour to the East Coast and uh, we did some comedy up in Boston and then went down to New York and then we went and saw Letterman tape. And it was the same thing, man. We went, man, it was, they put all the, all the comps, they put upstairs. So they have like the regular audience downstairs and then there's another, there's a balcony and all the comps that go up the stairs and just hang out up there and it goes like, in an instant, it's over. And my only regret is I didn't buy a late night T-shirt. I, I, I don't know why. I in just, high school, I, I had a shirt that said pants. What's that? In high school, I had a T-shirt that said pants. Because, you know, yeah. his impression oh. was worldwide <laughs> pants. That would be great. Yeah, yeah. And I had a friend visit there. And so I asked for, like, a T-shirt. And he thought that was a funny one. A T-shirt that was representing pants. And I was like, that, that is pretty good. Uh, yeah. So anyway, so I got to see two of the greats. It was fun. Yeah. Do you remember who any of the guests were for Letterman? I don't for Letterman. Letterman, I was so focused on him and just watching him. I don't even remember who the guests were. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I got to do Conan twice, but that was like, you know, like I never, those, not Carson, not Letterman. Yeah, well, I saw Conan too a couple of times. A friend of mine, Mariana, she's a huge Conan fan. She has his signature tattooed on her shoulder. Oh, wow. So we would go, uh, we went to, I had three, maybe three times we went, you know, lined up and did the whole thing. One time I, um, I'll tell you a little story about that. So we got there early, got our spot. They give you your number. And then uh, we went and did some stuff and then we came back. And then the, one of the producers came up and said, they said, what number are you guys? And we showed in the past and, mm-hmm. and she said, Oh, hold on. We got better seats for you. So they, they That's took great. our and uh, I'm thinking, what the heck's going on? So I thought, oh, this is cool. We'll be right up front. And we can see everything, mm-hmm. you know. So then we get inside to they file us all in first, all the group, all the all the special pass people, and they had all these spots like marked off already, like taped off, mm-hmm. and it wasn't in the front row. I was going, what the heck's going on? So it was up a little bit higher, and they had us all kind of spread out through the studio. You know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not hip to all this. So it uh, turns out we're part of a bit that they're doing. I was completely unaware. And um, it was, they were doing parody songs and they would just, you were like a character and they would sing a song about your character. So I was a boner medicine man. And uh, anyway, it was really fun. It was actually better seats because we were above the camera. So we could see the, we could see the, we were in the middle and then above the camera. So you could see, see the show yeah. better. And uh, well, it was a lot sense. of fun. So it was kind of fun to. That was my Conan debut. And uh, anyway, yeah, it was a good time. That's super cool. You got to be in on it. Yeah, well, it was fun. Yeah, we had a good time. Uh, my friend Mariana, she's pretty pretty hip, and she said I knew something was happening. I just didn't know what. I said I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to spoil it. So yeah, That's it was good. Cool. Yeah, I didn't see anything so specific when I went. I uh, I had a friend that was a writer. Oh, and yeah. so. Yeah. So it was like, I got the, I didn't have to do the, it was a whole hustle and bustle to get the ticket. Like you had to like ask for like a month in advance or two months in advance and they give you a date. I was able to just be like Tuesday, you know, and he was like, perfect Tuesday. Boom. And just got to go in. Although I saw the be there for like three or four hours before the show taped where we're just in that parking lot. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then we were sitting up front. 
Yeah, in the structure. It wasn't in the sun. It was in the structure. And there was a food uh, truck out there. So it wasn't like, yeah. So like, it was just a regular thing. And then when they were moving people around, for some reason, they like had us on the list as like, whatever the list is. And like, we can't move them. You know, like, they don't know. It's like, no, you can't if you need us. You know, like. Yeah, that's fine. The, the writer is not a big deal. I'm not a big deal. But also, if you don't want to move me, I'm in the front row. I'll take it. Yeah, totally. Oh, man. What a great, but it's just fun to watch the production side. I that's really fascinating to me. Every wow. show I've ever been to, I've been fascinated by watching them like change sets out and all that stuff. There's just yeah. it's a machine. It's amazing how many people it takes to put on an hour show. Yeah. And they've been doing it for years, and it still takes a lot of people to get it all meshed together. And, and yeah. I I love it. I think it's pretty neat. The next amazing thing to me is how early the host shows up and then also how fast they leave as soon as the taping's over. Oh yeah. They're like, they got one foot out the door with the last guest. It seems like, you know, they're like, I was once doing a different thing at CBS and Craig Ferguson was taping his show. Oh yeah. And the audience was still clapping and I was watching him run down the hallway to his car. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just like, I forgot about that. I've been to Craig Ferguson's show a couple times too. Uh, a friend of mine was the stage manager. Oh, cool. And, yeah. So, I mean, I forgot about that. So, I've seen like four four of the top guys. Yeah. Uh, oh, good. yeah. No, he was great. He was very underrated. Oh, man. Jeff Arnold is a friend of mine. He he was the stage manager for the show. And uh, long story, I met him through a friend of mine in Philadelphia. Uh, she had dated him a little bit. And she said, hey, I'm going to introduce you to this guy. He knows Craig Ferguson. I said, all right. And so... And Jeff is just wonderful. I just matter of fact, I just texted him this morning and, and give a shout out because uh, he gave me the best advice. I was, he was Jeff was trying to get me on the show. He'd seen me come do stand up. He said, "I want to come see you do stand up." And I said, "Okay." And so he said, "Hey," he said, "I I was not expecting you to be that good." He was pretty honest up front, and I said, "Okay, well, you know, I was still kind of new. This is several years ago, and to me, it was new." And he said, I'm going to, I want to get you on the show. So he was talking to the producer. And so uh, I've never submitted a tape before or anything. So I uh, videoed five minutes. I'm thinking I need five minutes. I'd rehearse this thing. Like, I don't know how many times to get it nailed, you know, at five minutes. And then I get to this venue that I was going to use to tape it. And uh, it was a smaller audience this time. So, you know, the pacing changes a little bit. So I was like at 430. And I was like, oh, man, I was like panicking. I was like, what do I do now? You know, I didn't know what to do. So finally, I, I called him and said, hey, man, I, I, I taped this set. But I said, it's 430. And he said, he said, he said, slow down. He says, you got to slow down a little bit. He says, first of all, you need about six or seven because they're going to edit it. And then oh, I never even thought about that, you know. Yeah. So lesson one. And then he said, he said, Kip. He says, this is the deal. He says, you're going to knock on nine. He said, picture, he said, picture a thousand doors. He said, you're going to knock on 999 of them before anything happens. He said, just take your time, enjoy the ride. And then when it's your time, it'll be your time. And so that really changed my perspective. It really helped me understand that, you know, it's not a rush. Uh, enjoy it, you know, because, you know, not many people get to do this really in yeah. a full way. So, yeah. So it really changed, changed my perspective on, on the whole uh, journey. Yeah, no, I think that that's, 
Yeah, that's exactly it. I've told many people that because I've had friends that have submitted and they get really bummed out. Yeah. I'm like, what are you bummed out for? You're now validated that you're on the radar. You got to submit. Yeah. I mean, that's a big deal. I mean, I was working on a set for Conan. Uh, Tom Clark, a friend of mine, had been on Conan and he knew the producer. And so we were working on a set to submit. And then I got to think, I said, you know, I don't even have a half hour yet. Why am I yeah. submitting? And then I, I regret not doing it. I should have just done it. And then. Oh, you didn't submit. I didn't. I backed out because I thought, well, well, what if I get on? And then, you know, I got nothing after that. No, but, I'll tell you exactly what you get after that. You get longer, more prestigious sets in town to help you work out that half an hour. Yeah, I was very short-sighted. I, anyway, I was yeah. just, I, I don't know. But anyway, that's okay. I got to, oh, it's funny, uh, interesting story. So my, I told you my friend was a uh, writer for uh, Letterman. Mm-hmm. His name's Dennis, uh, Dennis, oh, man, I'm bad with names. Anyway, rest in peace. He passed away a couple of years ago. Oh, no. Yeah, he was like, he's only my age. He was like early 60s. Uh, he, he was living in Michigan. Uh, Dennis Pryor was his name. How and, did you forget Pryor out of all stand-up uh, you names? Know, it, it's, it's this thing is, is uh, worn out. Uh, so uh, Dennis, when they were uh, doing the final show, uh, Dennis messaged me and said, hey, do you want to submit some, mater- some jokes for the final show? He said, we've got a new bit we're working on. And he said, I'll submit them for you on, on, my, on your behalf. And I said, that's amazing. So I wrote a bunch of bits for this line. Of, and they didn't do, they ended up not doing the bit. Yeah. But I submitted a bunch of jokes for, for the Latimer for the final show. I can't remember. It was, oh, it was about uh, him moving. So they had a, they, they were talking about having a moving truck show up. And, you know, and mm-hmm. since he's leaving, they have this moving truck show up and they were going to do all this stuff. So, yeah, it was fun. Though. It was fun to like sit there and, and try to think of you know interesting things would, that would you know possibly get picked up, but yeah, that's, it at all anyway. But but it's fun. It's a good time. That's the rush we get. Oh, totally, man! I when people ask me to to write stuff, I'm like all right, I'm ready. A friend, uh, my friend Joey is he works at Galaxy's Edge, and he was working at at it's called the other one, the Rise of Resistance. So they mm-hmm. they're in character there. So they really do an immersive thing. And he said, hey. Uh, work and rise. Give me some, give me some stuff so I can work, so I can interact with the guests. So I was trying to. Oh, nice. Think of the things that weren't too offensive. You know, from the because they have to be immersive in jungle. We we have uh, unofficially have a little more latitude, so we can bring in elements that aren't really part of the story. I shouldn't say that. I can bring in elements that really aren't part of the story. Yeah. Jungle. I I keep it. You know, keep it fun. Uh, but they they have to stay in so the canon is is gospel and you got to yeah. keep in in the story so i was trying to think of things that might that might fit uh like you know somebody smells like they have wookie breath you know stuff like that so yeah yeah you because know, they, they, they're real uh stoic in there and you know it's uh for the first order it's fun so i have a star wars podcast so i'd be remiss not to ask this do you think the Disneyland ride would allow one of their characters to say dank ferret? Uh, it's Star would, Wars swear, uh, but it's in Star Wars and it doesn't oh, actually mean totally, anything specific. No, I would say it. I mean, if I was there, I would say it until somebody told me not to. And then I would still, <laughs> I would still say it. That's, it. That's exactly how I go. Yeah. You know, when like at the Jungle Cruise, when 
you know, we're supposed to keep into the spiel. You know, we have a spiel. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, I have some I have some material that's in the spiel, the official spiel. Nice. Oh, we you got to... some stuff in the. Oh, yeah. So question. So, so jokes able... you wrote ended up in the Jungle Cruise for Florida. Uh, I don't know. Well, maybe because they still do Jingle Cruise and I wrote some stuff for Jingle also. Oh, so, that's right. You told me that when they first starting Jingle Cruise, you were a big part of getting those jokes together. Yeah, well, yeah, because they let us submit material at the time so we could write and submit. And then, of course, it goes through legal. You know how funny legal is. Yeah. And hilarious. My, one of my jokes got rejected and then they put it in later. Mm. which I thought was interesting. Uh, And so I, a friend of mine, Kevin Lively, who's an M- who was an Imagineer up until recently, uh, he was very supportive of me and they would when they would review he and this other guy kevin rafferty were uh involved in in uh, spiel review so when they would when we submit materials they would go through the jokes and they would say oh that's a kip joke and they would set it aside and they would go through and they pretty much nailed it you'd say was this one of yours and go, yeah so it was funny they kind of nailed my my style but it was uh not all you know very few of them make it because it's just uh sometimes they're, they're not so because i would submit like dirty stuff just that's the whole point of submerged oh yeah not not submitting the dirty but i'm saying that like you submit 30 and then one gets through yeah exactly yeah maybe you know it just depends on you know how good they are so uh but some of the some of the stuff's not in there more because they've changed they've changed the scenes so the scenes that i Mm. wrote bits for they're not there anymore because they are like that's legally not a holiday anymore well (laughs) yeah you never know Juneteenth, I guess Juneteenth would have been a good joke, but they, you know, it's not, uh, those guys are gone. All the, all the black animatronics got laid off. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. So which is, it, which is weird. It is weird. It's, uh, I think it's kind of, I don't know. Anyway, it's, you know, I feel like it should have gone the other direction where they should have laid off yeah, all the, because the white animatronics. Because in the, in the name of racism and I get it, I mean, uh, but they were, their thing was they, they, their position was that they were depicted in a demeaning way, but they were just living their life. You know, they yeah. were just doing their thing. And so, so they decided to, uh, to fix things, quote unquote, they decided to uh, lay off all the black animatronics and made it worse by replacing them all with chimpanzees. I did not realize they replaced them all with chimpanzees. So that's pretty much what happened. So anyway, it's the last third of the boat. Which is legally not offensive. Well, I, I guess if you're not a, a white Imagineer, it's not offensive. So anyway, I don't know. It was crazy. I thought it was, it's, it's actually pretty boring, the last part. It's not terrible. It's just kind of boring. It's, it's hard to talk about. But I wrote some bits for that too, just for my boat. You know, they, mm-hmm. we couldn't submit material. We haven't been able to submit material for a couple of years. Uh, they just kind of changed it. Oh, here's hoping so, more. You get paid whenever they take in one of your well, jokes. You write a you 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 sign. First, when we started doing, it, we had to sign a waiver that they, we don't own any of the material, and they it's all there. Since we're doing it on their time, uh, that they consider that the pay. You know, my fourteen dollars an hour, or whatever it was at the time, maybe less. Oh, it's probably like nine. I don't know. When we were writing back then, it was seven or nine bucks an hour. It's like it's run by Mitzi, where she's like, no, 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 this is a showcase. <laughs> <laughs>
Kip Hart. If you love him, you can follow him at K-I-P-P-H-A-R-T on Instagram. Kip Hart, his last day at working at Disneyland was the day after he recorded this, so he no longer works at Disneyland. But he's been posting some great behind-the-scenes Disneyland pictures now that he can't get fired from there. Um, nothing too crazy, but still kind of cool. You know, pictures of him and the goat like they're buds. That's it. You know, love Kip. Love him. I love the fastball pitcher thing. That's what, I mean, that's what I think of it when it's like those joke slingers. He shows up, gets in the pocket, throws his jokes at the audience, dares you not to laugh at him, and then goes to the next one. Used to, I used to be one. Um, now I talk too much. But I used to be a joke slinger. Still love a good joke slinger. Love to book joke slingers on my shows. Um, yeah, so that's that's Kip. Happy to have him. One of the first guys I met. Met him right before I started doing stand-up. Like, I want to say maybe like two months or whatever before I started doing stand-up and talked to him about it. Like, went back to Disneyland to talk to him about, I, I think I'm going to try. And he was really supportive and cool. Love him. He's been great the whole way. Um, next week is a both serious, and there's still a lot of jokes in an episode, but the topic is very serious, where I don't know if I, he says I'm allowed to say his name, but I don't think it's good for his job, but the whole concept is I'm talking to my most suicidal friend about his suicidal tendencies. So the whole episode is about a guy who wants to kill himself really bad and hasn't yet. Um, <laughs> God, maybe I should have said, uh, I don't know the right way to say it, but that's it, you know? That's it. Sorry. Um, and I'm, I talked to him about it for the full half hour. Front to back, 100% conversation about suicide. If that makes you uncomfortable, not the right episode for you. If, um, but I feel like it could be compelling, fascinating, great for somebody who is also in that same mindset. You know, like, I feel like I talk to a lot of people who are like this and in this and talk to them directly about it. And then we get on these microphones and we're just like, hey... So Pokemon was weird, you know, like, so this one, we just go straight at it because we got in a conversation on the regular phone about it and I went, I want to record this. And uh, so I stopped the conversation and started recording this. And that's what you guys are going to hear next week. I think it's a fascinating episode. I liked it. Sorry if that gets too serious. Um, I still don't want to put his name out there. But guys, of course, as always, you can follow me at Aaron M. Marsh on everything. You know, you can Venmo me on that. Same same thing. Aaron M. Marsh. Boom, 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 boom. Um, yeah. Shockingly feeling good right now. It was a, it was a rough day today, but, to, but feel good right now in the middle of this rough day. It's good to remember that you can have a rough day and still have good moments in it. All right. Thank you for listening, and thank you for putting up with me. Mm-hmm.